carols. We've been looking at different um, songs that we sing this time of year for the last few weeks. Um, incredibly rich, but maybe overly familiar. Um, so we've dug a little bit deeper into those. We've looked at two so far, or three so far. We'll look at one more <clears throat> today. Um, thinking this week about just different Christmas carols and um, how some of them don't really go together. Like, how does um, Silent Night and the Little Drummer Boy work together, right? Like all is calm, all is bright until the drum solo, um, which no offense to any of our drummers, but do babies even like drum solos? Um, do parents like drum solos when their baby's sleeping? Like it just doesn't make any sense. And then I thought about um, We Wish You a Merry Christmas, which is a pretty familiar carol, especially for carolers who show up. Um, the third verse is, now bring us some figgy pudding. <laughs> Even worse is the next verse, we won't leave until you get some, we won't, like, <laughs> like if your friends like figgy pudding, number one, they have bad taste. And if they won't leave until they get some, they have bad manners, which is just on you for having bad friends at some point, right? <laughs> It's like some of, this, some of the songs we sing this time of year, we love them, but they're so familiar, we don't, really, we don't really think about the words that we're singing. Even the one that we're looking at today, we've already sung, hark the herald angels sing. When was the last time you used the word hark in a sentence? Like it's not necessarily a word that we use a lot, but hark, it just means to listen. It just means to listen. Charles Wesley wrote, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and there's something that he wants us to pay attention to. There's a message here. There's some truth here that he, 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 he wants to get our attention so we can pay attention to the message. And, and it finds its, um, finds its root in probably the most famous of the Christmas stories, Luke chapter 2. I'm sure you're probably going to get with your family at some time over the next week and Open up your Bible to Luke chapter 2 and read the story. We'll start um, in verse 13 um, where it says, Luke says to us, suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Shepherds that night were the only ones who saw and heard the angels. Um, and, and there are some things I think that the shepherds would want us to know today. So we're going to kind of look at this carol through the eyes of the shepherd. We're just going to look at three things um, that, that the shepherd wants us to understand and pay attention to and listen to when it comes to the true meaning of Christmas. And I think the first thing that, that, that a shepherd from the first century would want us to know is that the angels chose to appear to them. Them, who we talked about just a couple weeks ago. The shepherds were the bottom of the social totem pole in first century Jewish society. Um, they, they, they were ultimate unskilled laborers. Shepherding was reserved for children. Children could be a shepherd. 
if you were an adult and still a shepherd, that, that meant something went wrong. Something happened. Um, and then they, they, they couldn't even bring testimony in a court of law. They were that lowly regarded in their culture. So out of all the people in the first century Israel, why is the angel's appearance to the shepherds worth noting for us? And I think there's multiple, multiple levels to this, multiple reasons, but one of the reasons is because for a lot of people, Christmas is a wonderful time. All is calm, all is bright. And then for others, Christmas reminds them of the chaos or the disappointment in their life. And depending on where you're at in your world, it, it could be Christmas is great and maybe not so great. It, it reminds some people of how lonely they are. For a lot of us, we, we spend time with family and friends. We go to, to spend time with our family or, or our spouse and others, just, they're just reminded of how lonely they are. Sometimes um, it, it reminds them of who they used to be in life, a husband, a wife, a boyfriend, a girlfriend. Uh, maybe you forget how dysfunctional your family is until Christmas comes around, right? So at least you only have to deal with it in living color for one week. Like for some of you, I don't know this, but for some of you, like your whole goal over the next couple of weeks is, the, is for the police not to get called. <laughs> That would be a good Christmas for you and your family, right? I, I heard somebody say um, a couple weeks ago that, that happiness in life is having a large, close-knit family who all live in another city. <laughs> Some of us can identify with that, and, and you got to laugh or you'll cry, right? Maybe this year finds you jobless and worried about the future. Maybe you're concerned about some of the decisions that your kids are making, Maybe you're concerned about your marriage or your lack of marriage. Maybe you find yourself in trouble at work or maybe trouble with the law. We have, have a family in our church just this week that lost a husband and a father and a grandfather. All is calm, all is bright for some of us. And then there's the other side that Christmas can remind us. When the angels visited the shepherds that first Christmas night, their lives weren't exactly awesome. And, and it's possible you're heading into the next seven to 10 days in that exact same space. And so what I just want to help you understand is that people like that, people who weren't exactly experiencing the awesomeness of life are the exact kind of people God sent the angels to. And their message to us these 2,000 years later is, hark, listen, pay attention to this message. That's the first thing I think they would say to us. The second thing, uh, the shepherd was, was overwhelmed with all of this celebration happening around the birth of a baby. Did you catch what they say? You've heard it if you've been in church most of your life. Glory to God in the highest. That just means that God deserves the highest praise for this. Out of all the things that God has done, he deserves the highest praise for this, which is pretty remarkable when you think about all the things that, the, that, that, that those angels saw 
and all the things those angels experienced. I mean, those angels were there when God spoke billions of galaxies into existence with a word. They saw that. And yet they say, no, this is what brings God the, the most praise, the highest praise. Astronomers, they tell us that there are about 200 billion trillion stars in the observable universe. 200 billion trillion. Like how, how, that's two with 24 zeros behind it. That's a big number. We can't even get our minds around that number. Like most of us, we just want to open up our bank account app and see two or three digits there. 200 billion trillion? That is a huge number. So help us get our minds around this maybe a little bit. Um, a million seconds ago from right now. How long was a million seconds ago? It was December 6th, 2023. About a week and four days ago. That's a million seconds. What about a billion seconds? How long ago was that? Fourth of July? Maybe last Thanksgiving? Was that a billion seconds ago? No, a billion seconds ago was April 8th, 1992. Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, came out in 1992, <laughs> right? Criss Cross was telling us to jump with their clothes backwards in 1992, okay? I was in eighth grade in 1992. It was a good year. It was a really good year. A billion seconds ago, was, is, it's almost 32 years ago, a little over 31 years ago. Some of you in this room aren't even a billion seconds old yet. Let's talk about a trillion seconds. How long ago was a trillion seconds? 1492, when Columbus sailed the ocean blue, was that it? Was the very first Christmas? Was that a trillion seconds ago? Nope. A trillion seconds ago was 31,688 years ago. Pastor Jim had just graduated high school. <laughs> He looks good for his age. <laughs> We're told the observable universe contains 200 billion trillion stars. Our sun, which is just one of those trillion billion stars, not even a very big one, puts out the same amount of energy as a trillion atom bombs every second. Enough energy to power our civilization for 500,000 years. These angels had seen God do that. And yet they still say, glory to God in the highest for this. What they thought gave glory to God in the highest was veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, the greatest glory the angels thought God ever displayed was his decision to come live among sinners, to come identify with sinners, to die for sinners, and to take our place. That is mind-blowing. Some of you might remember a story from about eight years ago. Um, it's pretty controversial at the time because it, it, it involved um, an army soldier named Bo Bergdahl. 
It's pretty controversial at the time because some people believe that he deserted his post and committed sins against the United States, conduct unbecoming of an officer. Some people even said that he created, he, he, he um, was a traitor to the United States. And what made it so controversial was that our government decided to trade five Taliban militants being held in Guantanamo Bay for Bo Bergdahl. And the thought was, well, if we release these Taliban fighters, it's a pretty foolish decision because they're going to filter back in and they're going to end up killing American soldiers when they go back home. So we're, we're trading an American trader for the lives of good American soldiers is basically what we're doing. And I don't know the details of the case or of military law enough to cast judgment. But here's what I do know. God knew that we would be traitors to him. God knew we would desert his glory for sure. And he didn't trade the lives of five terrorists to get us back. He offered the life of his one and only son. That is why the angels proclaim glory to God in the highest. This is the reason. God deserves the highest praise. Peter, in, in his first letter, says that the angels are amazed by the gospel and they long to look deeper into these things. The things that blow the angels' minds. The, the, the beings that see the face of God every single day, what blows their mind is the mercy that God displayed towards sinful people. And, and, and so we rightfully sing, hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son, S-U-N, of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Please understand, please understand this. Greater than God's power to create the stars is God's power to put back together the life of a sinful person who repents and comes to him through faith in Jesus Christ. That is more powerful than his ability to speak 200 billion trillion stars into existence. Let's, let's bring it down to an even more personal level. You think your sin is bad. You, you think you've messed things up. You're so guilty you can't be forgiven. There's more power in God's ability to forgive you than there was in the word he spoke to cause the universe to spring into existence. You think sin has scarred and ruined your life. You think you've messed up your heart. You think it's destroyed your relationship with God. God says there's actually more power in his resurrection of Jesus from the dead and eventually what your resurrection from the dead can look like than in his ability to heal your life than there was in anything he's ever created. And so Charles Wesley writes, mild he lays, his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. The good news, the gospel, is that you and I were doomed in our first birth, our natural birth, and Jesus comes to save us by giving us a new birth, a second birth, and, and underneath, let's just get real honest for a second here, <laughs> Underneath all the religious makeup we like to put on and pretend, underneath all of that, we're just rebellious sinners. That's, that may sound harsh to some of you, but 
if you look into your heart and get really honest with yourself, that's, that's what we are. We're rebellious sinners. As teenagers, like as teenagers, we think we know better than our parents. Just go back and imagine talking to your 15-year-old self and ask them, hey, be honest with me. Like, get really honest for a second. Do you know more about your life than your parents do? Your 15-year-old self, in that sinful state, every single one of us, my parents are clueless. We think that. We eventually grow out of it, and we look back and think how foolish we were, but we still have this tendency, even as adults, to think we know how to best run our lives. We struggle to give control, ultimate, complete control over to God because I'm the one who knows best how to run my life. It's my life. We've all um, had seasons, we've all had decisions where we make the focus and center of our lives ourselves rather than God. It's why when we look at pictures, we judge whether or not it's a good picture based on how we look. We put ourselves, life is about us. Why make it about the glory of God when I can make it about my own glory, my own kingdom? And we've all faced circumstances and decisions and moments in life where where we thought our will should trump God's will when the two conflict. Angels know that is moral insanity and cosmic treason. And the penalty for that is death. The wages of sin is death. And I know it's popular today for us to see ourselves as basically good people with a few blind spots and weaknesses. We're just just misunderstood with hidden potential that hasn't been tapped into yet. It's popular to think that. That's not what the Bible says about us. The Bible says we are part of a sinful race under the rightful curse of death. And there are only two ways that curse can be resolved. Number one, we suffer it eternally ourselves because we're separated from God forever in a place of eternal death called hell. That's one way. Or Jesus in his mercy lives the life we're supposed to live, dies the death we were condemned to die, and absorbs the curse in our place so we could escape eternal separation from God. That's the cross. It was Jesus dying in our place. And it wasn't his his pride or his rebellion or his deceit or his immorality or his selfishness or his impurity he died for. It was mine. It was yours. It was our sin that he died for, the creator of all things dying for the created. And the angels see it. And they don't understand it. They long to look more deeply into these things. Why not, why not just wipe them out again and start over with a new human race? Because you, you did it once. Why not just do it again? Instead, mild he laid his glory by born that men no more may die. Every other religion teaches that you can save yourself. 
You just, you, you, you're good enough, you practice enough religious behavior, you go to the holy building enough, you pray enough, you sacrifice enough, and you'll save yourself. Jesus didn't teach that. Jesus taught that you can't save yourself, so I'm here to save, it, save you for yourself. All he asks is for us to humble ourselves and receive that as a gift. Those two things are not the same message. That is not the same. It's not even close. So again, there's this popular idea today that, that God's like a mountain and you just make sure you get your way to God and there's all kinds of ways to God. As long as you get to God and as long as you're sincere, you'll make your way to God. I heard, I heard one author say it like this. If, if I couldn't swim and I fell off the boat and I was struggling to keep my head above the water, all the while you're standing on the boat with a life vest in one hand and a 25-pound weight in the other, and I ask you to save me. And, and you say, well, which one do you want me to throw you? And I say to you, it doesn't matter as long as you're sincere. <laughs> Just throw me one sincerely, and I'll be good. No, it does matter which one you throw me. It does matter. Other religions say, try harder. Just be sincere. Be a better person. Just keep swimming. Jesus says, you're drowning. <laughs> so I'm here to save you. I did what you could never do. I've done what you could never do. I died the death you were supposed to die unless you died eternally. And now I offer it to you as a gift that you must receive. So the shepherds say, hark, listen, listen. Here's your life vest. Pay attention to this. Third thing, third thing that, that amazed this shepherd, I think, was that he was chosen to announce this to others. So, so again, go with me here. The only ones to get to see the angels that night were the shepherds. Everybody else had to get the news from the shepherds. Right? So the shepherds get a celestial choir, the shepherds get glory and angels and hallelujahs and inclusion into Christmas pageants forever and ever and ever and ever, right? Everybody else gets smelly, barely literate shepherds. Luke tells us the people that the shepherds told were amazed at what they heard, but I'm thinking if they would have known what the shepherds got to experience, they'd probably prefer hearing it from the angels rather than the shepherds which is just an important lesson about God that I've had to learn and relearn and relearn and relearn over and over and over again. Because throughout scripture, God's primary way of speaking to people is through broken and flawed instruments, like shepherds, just like shepherds. Just think about your own life for a second. Most people first hear the gospel from somebody close to them. Right? A family member, a friend, a pastor, a mentor, whatever it was. And here's the thing about people that we know well. We know all of their flaws. And you wonder, how in the world can God be speaking to me through my older brother? Do you know how much he tormented me? Do you know how much he absolutely just persecuted me? He's the last person on the planet that God would use to speak through me. There's no way he knows the, the mysteries of eternity and share them with me. 
right? Or, or my neighbor. They don't even pick up their leaves, Tim. My coworker, they're so lazy. There's no way God would use them. Please hear me. For some of you, this is, this is the only thing you need today. Just because the messenger is flawed does not mean the message is. God chooses shepherds, the lowly, as his primary mouthpiece. It's how it happened in the first century, and it's how it's happened ever since. Actually, it happened before the shepherds. Go to the Old Testament. One of the most famous stories of the Old Testament, story of Balaam, right? Prophet Balaam was sent to do something by God, and, and, or he, he was going to do something, and God didn't want him to do it. So God sent an angel to impede his path so he and his donkey couldn't get down the road. This angel is standing right in front of him with his flaming sword. But Balaam can't see it. And God opens the donkey's eyes so he can see. And Balaam doesn't like this. So Balaam, he starts kicking the donkey. Donkey won't budge. Gets a stick, starts beating the donkey. Donkey won't budge. So God, in his mercy, opens the donkey's mouth and gives him the ability to speak. Look, Jack, I'm trying to save your life. Better, better quit beating me. The point of the story, God can speak through a donkey. Those of you who know the King James Version, I'll let you fill it in, or you'll just go find it this afternoon. Right? As long as you're reading from the King James Version, you can say it. It's okay. God can speak through a donkey. If God can speak through a donkey, he can speak through your older brother. God can speak through a donkey. He can speak through your neighbor, your coworker. Hey, God can speak through a donkey. He can speak through your pastor. Right? You hang out around here long enough, you'll see how broken and flawed I really am. And if that doesn't do it, ask my wife. Ask my kids. They'll tell you. God speaks through whoever he chooses. And the message to us from the shepherds is listen Pay attention to this. God is speaking to you. He's trying to wake you up. He's trying to draw you back to himself. I dare say, for some of you, this morning is just one more thing in a long line of circumstances that God has been using to wake you up. Are you going to listen? Are you listening? Are you paying attention? Just let the busyness and the stress and all the stuff of the next week just fade away for just, just a minute, just a second. Maybe even let your objections and your whatabouts and your questions and your doubts fade away for just a minute. And listen. Listen to what he's saying to you. The angels, they didn't tell us to try harder. It's not saying be better. They're not telling you that you're not good enough and you better clean up your life. It's not what they're saying. They are saying you can never be good enough, but God loves you so much that he sent his son from heaven to do the saving work of grace in your life. The same God that created the stars with a word has come to be with you has come to be with me, to live the life you were supposed to live, die the death you were supposed to die so you could be here today 
and listen and then receive if you never have. There's nothing more you need to do, nothing you can do, nothing but listen to his voice and receive the gift if you never have. Are you ready to hearken? Are you ready to listen to his voice? And if you are, I just want to pause for a minute. Pause for a minute and let you listen, and then we're going to pray. Let's pause. And as we pray, I just, I just want to make sure we all understand this. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is Lord. He came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. He paid for our salvation in full. And if you're willing to surrender to him as your savior, to receive him as your Lord, he will in fact save you. And if you never made that decision or maybe you're not sure, I just wanna invite you to pray a prayer. They're not magic words. The words don't save you. God hears the sincerity of your heart and he'll work on your behalf. So you say to him in whatever words you want, you say to him, God, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I surrender my life to you and I submit to Jesus Christ fully and completely right now as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Father, I pray for those who, for the first time, have trusted you as their Savior. Would you give them clarity in the days to come? Give them a sense of this new life you've breathed into their lungs that will last into eternity. Jesus, surround them with other Jesus followers that will disciple and pray for and pray with and help them understand this new life they've been given. And God, would you help us, those of us who already have this new life, to be the kind of spirit-filled people that will lovingly, willingly walk beside them in community. God, open our eyes, open our hearts to those around us that don't know you, the need to pay attention, the need to listen. God, thank you for speaking through your spirit, through your word, through the shepherds. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, would you let somebody know? And, and maybe it needs to be one of the pastors. Maybe it needs to be somebody that invited you. But let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You've been redeemed. So would you let somebody know that? We'd love to help you take some next steps and figure out what it looks like for you to continue to follow Jesus. This is why we exist as a church. All right, thanks so much for being here. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. We'll see you next week for Christmas Eve services. You're dismissed.